0: Hi, this is Lynn Bement, the compost queen from Downers Grove. You're listening to 1590 WCGO Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, one.
1: Warning, folks, what you're about to see may cause you to fertilize your
2: pants.
3: <laughs> Jim, it's a plant which produces both tomatoes and
2: potatoes. Above the ground, you can harvest up to 500 cherry-sized tomato fruits. But that's not all. Below the ground, you can harvest your own crops of delicious
1: white potatoes. That's unnatural. (laughs) The only time tomatoes and potatoes should meet is at the bottom of a styrofoam (laughs) clamshell. Besides, it's disgusting. Who would want a potato that comes out of the ground? It's filthy. (laughs) And vegetables should not be mating with other species. This is misvegination. (laughs) It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and On-Deeve.
4: Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. 20 years in counting as Chicago's go-to deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Sunday morning on Chicago's Smart Talk.
3: Good planets are hard to find, temperate zones and tropic climes, and true currents
5: and thriving seas, wind blowing through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine, good planets are hard to find. The are in the
4: Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome. Sand.
3: At 847-A New Secure Line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now back to American Radio Broadcast.
4: On Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. And here they are: She's Lean and He's Green. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak.
5: Are in the main right
6: right uh, hey welcome and uh, I'm, I'm checking out I, I so you want me to duck down like this okay i can cheat we're <laughs> we're, we're adjusting and i got to tell you randall is is doing a great job messing with the uh, the facebook cuz we got new fonts up there and we're we're he tells me there's no sans serif on there, though. That's what I find kind of stunning that there's no sans serif. But we will work on no
0: that. Ariel, no Helvetica, no Cal- Calibri.
6: We'll, we'll talk after okay. the show. But now he's he's Helvetica he's got the new backgrounds and Star. stuff, yeah. and he we got the scroll up Just there. Just go to the
0: Mike Novak show on Facebook. You can watch his live.
6: That's right, and <laughs> and one of the things we're probably going to be doing right now, because if you go to my website, MikeNovak dot net, M I K E N O W A K dot net you will see on the homepage that today we have an infestation of horticulturists. And uh, I'm not sure what we can do about that. I'm not sure how we get them out of here. But uh, I think we're stuck for a couple hours, Uh, which is actually a good thing. Um, And you can follow us on Facebook Live. We're streaming now. One of the things we're showing our guests, and have we gotten them all to – are you working – Peggy's working this. Okay. See, this is what happens. This is when we we start a show – and we have people who are new to this whole thing—the Facebook Live. And now, hand over—you may hand over phone, your phone, please. There uh, we go.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's uh, uh, Peggy's getting Except the phone. Except I need to have you unlock your phone first, please. <laughs>
7: Gosh. Oh, that ra- I will do that on radio.
0: <laughs> See, we have
6: a room full of garden communicators who are unlocking their phones and their devices and all that good stuff so that they can participate in this. And let me introduce them uh, one by one. On my right, your left, C.L. Fornari, who has been a guest on the Mike Novak Show in the past. And uh, we have talked about her books. She is also a broadcaster. She's a podcaster. She's a writer. She's an educator. She's a lecturer, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and a really good one.
5: And you missed the most important part. Which is? I'm a gardener.
6: Oh, no, no. that Nobody does that. Who's got time for that?
5: So I've, I am a gardener. I am a plant geek. And I love going out into my front yard and asking, what's for dinner?
6: Okay, we'll have to play some vegetable tunes Okay, okay. on my left uh, are a couple of uh, gals who uh, have come in from various locations One all the way around the planet Uh, Australia, and that's Andrea Whiteley Andrea, how are you?
2: Good morning, I'm very well Good morning, Chicago
6: Yes, and welcome to our fair city Uh, I hope you have a great time here And I'm really interested in comparing countries and continents and and the kinds of things that you grow there and how it's different and how probably it's exactly the same. Um, but that's one of the things we'll talk about. And uh, next to her is Mary-Kate Mackey. Hi, Mary-Kate. Hi. Good morning. I have a question for you. Yeah. How come Mary-Kate has a hyphen?
7: Because that's the way my daddy wanted it. Really? <laughs> yep.
6: I've never seen Mary-Kate with a hyphen. Mary hyphen Kate.
7: It has plagued me my whole life. Computers hate it. I'll bet they do. Yeah.
6: And, and and we live in an age where everybody uses hyphens, they call them dashes, and that, that's making me nuts, and it's obviously we're going to – it's going to become – the hyphen is going to turn into a dash. That's just what's, what's going to happen, all right? The question becomes then, what do we call the hyphen, uh, or what do we call the dash, what used to be a dash when the hyphen becomes a dash? Right. We're going to need a new word or a new way to describe it. Well, I'm we telling have you because.
7: now we have the M dash and the N dash, and the N dash is smaller. I mean, that's. Is that's that what it. that is? Okay. Really? Mm hmm. It's there.
6: And anyway, Mary Kate is from Oregon.
7: Yes, I am. Uh... And it's
6: not Oregon.
7: Thank you, Mike. Oregon.
6: It's it's Oregon. Yes. All right. This is how you pronounce it. Yes. Well, I'll I'll pronounce some other things for you later, and I'll get some of them wrong. All right. And they're all here for the Garden Writers Conference, the 70th annual. It's in Chicago this week. I am very excited to talk to these gals, and you can, too, at 877-711-5611. Thank you, Peggy. The Mike Novak
0: Show with Peggy Malecki, (laughs) and we'll be right back.
6: From Boat. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Openlands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connection to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse the collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. Tree-stories.org.
0: Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day.
3: What is this anyhow? This is your talk. This is America Jack on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. We are starting. <laughs>
6: you know how hard it is to find good garden songs?
8: Yes. To, mm-hmm.
6: Good. <laughs> the emphasis on good. Uh, good. Yes. Right. No, there's a lot of junk out there. And
0: a lot of children's. Yes, a lot of a
6: children's song. and a lot of silly uh, puns and stuff like that. And I avoid those. So uh, I'll play whatever I can today that is uh, a cut above. But oh, there's not that much. It's it's no. You know what there are a lot of songs about and you can do on radio? Rain. Rain is a great oh, subject. Yeah. All, there's all kinds of songs sure. about rain. But, uh, but you're not going to do
7: inch by inch, row try, by row? No, 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 no.
5: Exactly. Try, try
7: Phil Oaks, uh,
5: take a walk with me through this green and growing land. Ah, walk through ah, the valleys and right. walk through the sand. She's yeah. she's, she's writing it down Excellent. now. F- got, Phil we... Oaks. I, I use it every Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Or Vivaldi, the four seasons,
2: why not? Yeah,
0: class. why not? Why not? <laughs> All
5: right now, now you That's j-
0: adding a little too much class to the show. We're
6: we're not about classy. I'm a not, classy too. You, know, <laughs> you know, because if uh, if if I played something like that, what would happen is this. No, and I and I can't do it if if, if I d- don't have the fader up. Right.
3: Shut up, Wesley! All right,
6: <laughs> all right. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're very pleased to have Garden Writers in the studio today. Because, uh, and let me explain what's going on. There's this big conference every year called the Garden Writers Association Conference. Now, what's interesting is that uh, it's not really the Garden Writers Association anymore. That's uh, it's it's the Association for Garden Communicators. However, they've stuck with G.W.A. And as I wrote on my blog, I assume it's a branding thing. But at some point you get to
5: move on, don't you? Well, I think that we could call it the Garden Wisdom Association. Oh, I, I like that. We could, yeah, ca- yeah, we could call no. it the Garden Wealth Association. <laughs> no, 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 no. No gardeners well, we are wealthy. Are, we, we are maybe not wealthy in money, but we are wealthy in beauty And we are wealthy in In uh, In connections
7: with the natural world. And grubbiness. A lot of grubbiness. We're wealthy in dirt. Dirt. That's right. Yes.
3: Shut up, Wesley. Okay.
6: uh but uh well as i've often said there's no money in horticulture okay there's no money in radio and there's no money in horticulture but wealth in other ways yeah sure yes so the point is yes. there's all these garden communicators with the GWA and if if you want to find it uh you know you, you type in GWA uh and they and they have this conference each year well this year they came to chicago because there's another conference that goes on annually in chicago and that is the uh, and now I'm blanking totally. I Thank you, IGC Independent Garden Center show, and it's always at Navy Pier, and I've gone to it for many years. Uh, and uh, they thought, why not combine the two? Let's bring these two together, which makes a ton of sense. So now you've got these garden writers and garden professionals from all over the country and the world. Yes, and the world. And, yes. the world. And, the world. <laughs> and the world, and we have in in the world right here.
2: One uh, lonely little Petunia. <laughs> well, well. But we're
7: very welcoming. <laughs> That's right.
2: Well, I
6: have to ask you, Andrea Whiteley, uh, do you know of any folks from other countries that have, uh, any other Australians here, any? Uh... Uh,
2: no, I don't believe there's any other Australians here. Um, but Canadians. I think there's Canadians, and they're from well, another part of the world. <laughs> <laughs>
6: nah, nah. <laughs> Canada doesn't count.
2: Okay.
0: Oh, that's Uh-oh. just mean. I
2: know. I
6: know. I'm going to get in trouble for that. You will. Oh, uh,
0: but I'm happy that... The phones are ringing already.
6: <laughs> and by the way, if anybody wants to yell at these people or ask them a question, Thank you for backing off from the sign there. 877-711-5611. 877-711-5611. And you can talk to these wonderful, talented, and smart people. Uh, I do have to say... Uh, Mary Kate, I was looking at your website, and i I, I wrote about it here. Uh, I note that on your website you ask, "Does writing make you feel anxious, unprepared, <laughs> and frustrated Yes and, and yeah, yeah, my answer is yes so yes uh, I, I you know i 'm writing a thousand or two thousand words every week right. for this. I hate every second of it, okay? I just I despise every second of it, but it's got to get out, and that's the way that works. And sometimes I like writing, but not very often. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm a writer who doesn't like to write.
7: Well, that, I wrote a book for you mm-hmm. called The Reluctant Writer. Uh, and basically it's a cheat sheet for exactly <laughs> what you have to do when you have to do it, and you hate to do it anyway, but you want to do it well.
6: Well, I've been doing a column for Chicagoland Gardening Magazine for 15 years now, mm-hmm. and it's only 700 words, and it it kills me every two months well, just and to do the that. The
7: only is the biggest part. It's really much harder to write short than it is to write long. <laughs> yeah. 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 uh, Seriously. You. Thank sauce, you for, for saying sure. that. Thank yeah. you.
6: Seriously. Because I, you know, I, I look at it, and I think, well, every one of these has to be a gem. It's
2: <laughs> exactly. be a gem.
0: And I write one of them every month, and it's always like, ah, the exactly. last thing I do.
6: So, uh, how is it that you teach garden writing how you came about this honestly well more or less.
7: i did i well i started out as a garden communicator a mm-hmm. garden writer writing for magazines around the country and the university of oregon needed a professional to teach their writing classes their upper division writing so i went ahead and uh, said okay i can do that but i got in there and realized the students none of them wanted to write they they wanted to produce <laughs> They wanted to be behind the camera. They wanted to do anything but tell a story. And, of course, you got to tell a story. So I spent a lot of time convincing them, okay, here's the shortcut, here's the trick, here's the way to do that, here's how you crank up your verbs. It was simple stuff. But uh, as a result of it, I realized after 18 years of doing it that I could stuff this into a very skinny little book and put it out for lots of other reluctant mm-hmm. writers.
6: That's a great thing. Uh, we went, uh, Peggy and I went to see a show recently, a theater piece, uh, which was really well done, quite remarkable. It was a multimedia piece, um, and it had uh, video and audio and a live band, and the only thing it did not have was original dialogue. Not, oh. not a single word was written because they were borrowing from all these other media and as a writer i had to critique it that way i had to say okay yeah wouldn't it have been nice if you guys actually took the time to write some words down and and yeah. and interpret this somehow but this is what people shy away from it's mm-hmm. like we'll take everybody else's work and we'll we'll mash it together and won't it be wonderful except that i want your insight I want to hear what you've got to say about it. And and the same thing with gardening uh, uh, and communicating it as a way of a segue into what we do. Um, I want to hear the interpretation of when somebody grows a plant and it fails, why that happened. What did I do? What did you do wrong? What did the plant do wrong? What did the, the, the grower do wrong? What did everybody do wrong? Uh, and that that's the only way you're going to learn. Uh, so with that in mind let's let's start with cl because um and we will get to australia in a second we're going to go down under in just a little bit but cl, CL and i have a, a a relationship going back i have to tell you that i steal from your book uh, uh coffee for roses for Great. for talks all the time Great. and and what i did i actually created a talk based on that and um you you said You said I should beware when you came into the studio today, but I remember the last time you were on my show. Yes. My other guest that day was Dr. Linda Chalker Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm not afraid of strong women. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I can survive that well, show, and, I can survive anything. <laughs> that's okay? right, and you
5: probably got it from both sides. <laughs>
6: yeah. Uh, but what I love about you is that you you are that voice, that strong voice that says, "Okay, let's. This is what's going on, and this mm-hmm. is what you need to know."
5: Well, and you know that that book, "Coffee for Roses," was all about garden myths, and there. I, Now, their myths have endless life cycles because the Internet is a dangerous neighborhood, Mm -hmm. you know, and things just get repeated and repeated and repeated. And twisted. And and twisted. And, you know, uh, human beings are attracted to bright and shiny, quirky things. Yeah. And so they love those kind of quirky Ideas and a lot of them are not only bunk but they can be harmful in the garden. So. What's,
6: what's the one right now that's driving you crazy?
5: Oh, Epsom salts. Epsom salt drives me <laughs> crazy because Absolutely. everybody thinks it's the answer to everything. I, people are throwing it out in their landscape. They have no idea what it actually is. Put it in the bath. That's right? That's what it's Yes, exactly. That's where it belongs. to soak your feet. In the bath at that's the end of the day.
6: That's where it belongs. And, and I use a graphic that's been making the rounds on the inner tubes for years. Uh, and it's this graphic that that talks about using Epson salts with an N. And I say, and I and I ask my audience, I say, okay, what's Epson? And they go, oh, it's it's a salt. I go, no, it's a printer. Okay, <laughs>
8: old printer. <laughs> it, 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 from right?
6: Way back. Yeah, this is what you used to use to uh, with your dot matrix. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's. Uh, but some people swear by it, and and I think. Well, as Dr. Linda Chalker-Scott says, the only reason you use Epsom salts with an M is if you have a magnesium deficiency. That's right. If you're, de-
5: mm-hmm. if you're deficient in magnesium.
2: And but- that's very hard to identify. That
5: you're- yeah, you have to have a soil <laughs> test. to do a complete you soil You have to test. have a soil test, yeah. right?
6: Yeah. So, so so the point we're saying here, if you use Epsom salts yeah. regularly, you need to examine why you're doing it. it you, you, you should really understand. If you think you know the reason you're doing it. Good for you, knock yourself out, but if you do it because somebody told you to, uh, you might want to examine what it exactly does in your soil and to your plant. what is the purpose of using magnesium on a plant and
5: and <laughs> most people don 't know
6: the answer right, to that right,
5: and they don 't have any idea whether their garden actually needs more magnesium so and many people are I think tempted to throw things on plants even though their plants are actually doing quite well. You know, I, we human beings, is kind of sweet, but mm-hmm. we want to help, right? <laughs> we want to help. We want to give our plants every opportunity to grow and be fabulous. Mm-hmm. And yet a lot of times uh, there's an Italian saying that's uh, translated as helping downhill. A lot of times we help downhill. We, we're not actually helping, right?
7: Right. The plants may be doing it in spite of. Of putting exactly. some salt, on Exactly.
2: <laughs>
5: uh, and by the way, let's do a, a
6: recap here so folks know who we're talking to. That is C.L. Fornari. Your website is?
5: Gardenlady.com.
6: Gardenlady. And uh, make sure you go. T- it's not the. Is it just Gardenlady? It's just
5: Gardenlady.com, the website. I am the Gardenlady on mm-hmm. Twitter and the Gardenlady on Facebook. Uh-huh. But okay. Gardenlady.com, that'll get you there. And Mary-Kate Mackey, if folks yeah. want to get a hold of you.
7: Uh, Mary-Kate Mackey.com.
5: Mary
6: Kate, uh, Mary. Mary
7: it, Kate, all one word.
6: But okay, not a. Yes, no, no, no hyphen. hyphen. Okay. No hyphen.
2: Sorry, Dad. dad. <laughs> Mary Kate Mackey.
6: And uh, Andrea?
2: And I'm AndreaWhiteley.com.
6: Whiteley.com. W H I T E L Y, if you want to find their stuff. All right. Do you guys have any myths here that uh, drive you crazy?
7: Uh, Well, the biggest one I have in the Northwest is, the biggest question I get when I go on the radio is, how do I get moss out of my lawn? And the second question is, should I grow moss instead of a lawn? And, of course, I always say, well, you'll be weeding your moss because moss is a colonizer. That's what it does in the real world is it goes into really tough places And it lays down its non-roots. It's so ancient it doesn't even have real roots. And it puts them in there, and then it allows other things to come in on top of them. So if you want a moss lawn, you will be weeding it.
5: If you want only moss. If you want
7: only moss. And if you want grass, then you have to change the conditions of your grass. And that means either more sunlight... Uh, more air into the actual soil itself. And in many cases, it means maybe you don't need grass there at all. Maybe you need something else growing.
6: I, I have a question. Why would anybody want to get rid of moss? Oh, and we're, we're, moss we're, agreed, moss i moss envy. Can I get your bell? <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, you know, okay. Thank uh, you. Uh, you need to know this, uh, uh, Mary-Kate. I had a home... Uh, in the Pacific Northwest for 17 years Ah, okay. at, at Lake Quinault in Washington mm-hmm. state. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and yes, I understand if moss is on your roof and it's covering your roof, I understand why people try to get rid of that, but in the ground and certainly in Chicago, people will get moss here and they'll say, how do I kill it? And I say, why don't you just sell it? Because everybody wants moss, <laughs> yeah. and, you're, and you're able to grow it. I've got some moss in my backyard. I, that's my prize area. I love that area where the moss is because mm-hmm. it's kind of shady and hard for other things to grow. And there's, there's the moss. I'm like, I'm not doing anything to that moss. I love that moss. So I, I've never understood
5: the, the animus towards moss. Well, it comes from the lawn care industry who wants to sell a product. Um, that's where it comes from. Is that uh, we were convinced in the 1960s that a lawn needs to be a monoculture of grass, and that there shouldn't be clover or weeds or moss in there. And we were convinced of that just because then there are more lawn products to be sold. And yet, sometimes a lawn can be a you know a community of plants. Moss and grass and Whatever. clover As long and as grass. it's green. Yeah. yeah, it's green, you mow it, done. Right? And moss. And you, you don't, don't even, have
2: to mow. You <laughs>
6: right, right, right. <laughs> And Andrea, you said you had moss envy. Why oh, is that? Oh,
2: I dream of being able to grow moss in our garden. I mean, we have very sandy, sandy soil, and it's hot most of the time or warm and far too warm for moss. Now, you
6: are you in the Perth area? I'm
2: in Perth in Western Australia.
6: Okay. Um,
2: and at the moment, we are in the middle of winter. Um, but winter for us is, um, is rainy, but not very much rain.
7: Yeah. So,
2: yeah, we're, we're having record get, rains now, though. We are to, having yeah. record rains, but that's like 35 inches of rain wow. uh, for a year. So um, that's where That's we're our at. normal in Chicago,
6: yeah.
7: basically. That's so, the average in Eugene, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So
2: that's very unusual for us. Whereas on the other side of the country, on the East Coast, uh, they're in a very serious drought this year, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be winter as well on the East Coast, but very, very serious. Well, drought.
6: during the winter in the United States, you read all these articles about how Australia is on fire, uh, literally and figuratively. Mm.
2: Well, we're not quite on fire, um, but very, very dry, and our farmers are hurting very, very badly. They're, they're having to pay like $400. For a bale of uh, hay, or to feed their cattle.
6: All right, we need to break here. We'll be back with these wonderful garden people. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki.
0: Now's the time to sign up for one of McHenry County's premier sustainability events. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy-efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its 11th annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place November 3rd, but registration for vendor and artist space is open now. This year's expo will be bigger than ever. The popular artist walk returns, featuring sustainable artwork, jewelry, and decorative items. And if your business offers eco-friendly holiday gifts, being a vendor is the perfect head start to the season. Last year's event attracted more than 1,100 visitors. Mike and I were there. And we know the Expo is a fun way to interact with McHenry County's green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu.
3: You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue. Visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. All
6: right, everybody get ready to sing. Here we
2: go.
5: didn't
2: sign up
1: for singing. Do you me up baby
6: just to let me Mess me around. Uh poor guy. Hey, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We were talking about our favorite tunes. Uh, and, and there's a lot of radio people here yeah. in the room. Um, uh, C.L., uh, you have uh, a radio show and a podcast, and you were telling me about your partner during the break. Those of you listening on Facebook Live mm-hmm. uh, heard that, but uh, explain all about that.
5: Well, uh, my partner in the podcast is Ellen Zakos, and mm-hmm. we make a good podcasting team because we don't always agree. And <laughs> uh, we come from two different, really, experiences in horticulture. She comes from being an urban gardener who maintained For years, gardens in New York City on top of terraces and rooftops for people, and now she's an out-of-control forager, and uh, she wants to go out in the woods and pick dinner, whereas I want to <laughs> cultivate dinner, right? She's a cat person. I'm a dog person. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> so we, uh, we do this podcast together, and she uh, one of uh, part of her background is that she was on Broadway uh, for a number of years, and she recorded a CD called Ellen Zacco Sings Botanical Broadway, where, which which I'm gonna score a copy of. Yeah, right? we will we will get <laughs> yes, you a copy yes, of. Right. So that's right. So, yeah.
6: And that's going to be bump music on the Mike Novak show forever and ever.
2: <laughs> uh, Get your checkbook out, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I,
6: I can guarantee I ain't paying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll pay for the CD if that's, if that's the way that works, if she needs a little Maybe bit. Maybe the postage. Of, yeah, <laughs> cer- <laughs> Certainly that. Hey, I paid for the lift today, so there oh, we yes. go. Yes. And,
0: and, and we appreciate it. Thank yeah. you very
5: and, much and, for and bringing all, us up here.
6: And these garden writers are all staying downtown, and, and I got them all to come out. And CL's the, kind of the Organize the posse here so yes, she thank you thank you for doing that my uh, pleasure and i'm glad yeah. you guys are in town and that's one of the things about the GWAs: people come into town early and then they stay late and they visit all kinds of gardens we'll get to that in a second yes peggy i
0: was going to say a shout out to perth australia from george whiteley oh, who says oh, oh. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Oh, he's great. watching on hey. facebook <laughs> all
6: right uh and uh so that's uh, cl's uh, uh showbiz experience i know mary kate you were saying what? that that you have theater theatrical experience that's mm-hmm. we share that uh, tell me about your theatrical experience.
7: Well, I I started out as an improv actor in San Francisco in the seventies.
6: That's what I do with my plants. I just improvise. Improvise <laughs> All of it.
7: exactly. It was the best life training I could have ever gotten for anything. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But my first union was after. So I just I love radio. I I really do. I think that I love to hear things. I I, I love podcasts. It just really works out. So this is sort of uh, the whole gardening thing is kind of a third act uh, going on that I basically my kids were growing up and I said, well, I have to do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I took a <laughs> class at my local community college called magazine writing that sells as opposed to
6: magazine
0: writing as opposed to isn't that
7: an oxymoron? Wait a second. Exactly. <laughs> But I I basically followed what the guy Mm -hmm. said, and Sunset hired me the first time. Okay, uh, after Sunset Magazine, Sunset Magazine, uh, the magazine of Western living, uh, and um, I
6: got to tell you, my very first favorite garden book was the Western
7: Sunset Mm -hmm. Western. Yes, I I agree. I mean, And, and and
6: I used it. Here, and I said, why do they call it the Western book? When are they coming out with the National book? Exactly. And I I used it for everything. What a yes. wonderful book that was. Oh,
7: yeah. well, I, the Ferns section of the Sunset Western Garden book is mine. I'm very proud of that. Yay. Ooh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> but, uh, how do you get two dings, Mary-Kate? <laughs>
7: <laughs> yes, get it on Audible books. Have the whole Sunset Western Garden book on Audible. That would be good. Cool. Uh, so that's how I got into the whole... Uh, gardening, but then I found that all the stuff that I had learned as an actress and all that it all worked perfectly because I could get up on stage and do presentations mm-hmm. uh i can I give a bunch of different horticultural talks and now of course, with I wrote the writing book i 'm giving writing talks, so that 's what i 'm actually doing here at g w a
6: all right Tell us about that just a little well, bit. well
7: i 'm writing i 'm giving a presentation called Write Badly. Edit well,
6: <laughs> and, I, I've, I've got my hand in the air.
7: <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly.
8: Because
6: I'm, I'm sorry. You're right, though. Writing is all about editing. Yes, it's, there's no such thing as this. You're not. We're not Mozart's where they, it comes sprung.
5: You know, perfect. Beethoven,
7: full blown. No, no, no. Beethoven was an editor. (laughs) Beethoven was an editor. Mozart was not.
5: Mozart was just transcribing Mm -hmm. from what came from above or somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was channeling. And my my
7: thing is, I'm urging everybody to channel whatever goofy, crazy kind of writer you are inside. You have to get it on the physical world before you can mess with it. Mm -hmm. And so you might as well get it down and give yourself permission to really stink. (laughs) i gave myself
6: that permission many years
7: ago (laughs) right right and then of course it's the tricks for how Mm -hmm. to edit well and in my talk i'm going to do you get three passes at your work and you put on three different editors hats to do that Mm -hmm. so you get an overview you get uh substantive editing and then you get down to the picky details
6: and i will uh here's my rule of thumb if I'm when I'm editing if I'm adding words instead of subtracting I'm doing it wrong.
7: Yes.
5: <laughs> yeah, subtraction. Yes. Make it shorter, make, a shorter, make shorter, right, it shorter, make it right. shorter. Usually and, <laughs> and
6: get rid of all the wells and of courses and all that all the stuff which the is digressions. It, it's a way of saying um except on paper.
7: Yes, and, and it also means your verbs aren't strong enough. If you have to say almost never this happens Find a verb that says that, and that verb I, I, I would love, be. I love that construction.
6: Then almost, almost endeavor, never this, this happens. happens. That's got That's the Randall's
7: new, shaking
0: his head.
6: That's there. the new title of
0: my autobiography. Oh,
7: good! I like that.
0: Do You have something to add yes. there, Randall?
3: I do. That's that's really awesome. I love that thought because in both verbal and written, ums and digressions are your worst enemy. That's so
6: cool to hear. <laughs> Um,
8: <laughs> Thank you. Uh,
6: um, what? Oh, oh, never okay. <laughs>
8: exactly. So,
6: uh, all right. And now let's go to Andrea, who is also a showbiz gal, because you do radio yourself, uh, The Soil Sisters on 720 ABC Perth.
2: That's right. I did that show for about four years. And um, we talked a lot about gardening. We answered. It was a call in. Program so people could ring in and find Mm out um, tips about gardening, and also we could answer their questions. We had one rule, and that was we could only um, have one citrus question for the entire program (laughs) because we always get inundated with citrus questions. Citrus, yeah. Hmm. So the lemon tree, classic lemon tree. Really,
6: that's that's interesting, and it doesn't surprise me. Uh, Here, it would be the lawn question. In my in my experience, the lawn is the black hole of horticultural talk where all rational thought gets sucked in and is never seen again. Uh, on,
5: on Cape Cod, it's the blue hydrangea. Uh, oh, uh, my, yes. <laughs> my program is called Garden Line, and many people think it should be called Hydrangea Line.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and now I have hydrangea envy,
7: too. Oh, we no. cannot, <laughs> we oh. I love well, hydrangea. To in Cape Cod. Okay, but why are my citrus yellow around the edges? You don't pee on them. Oh. <laughs> you, have to, you have to get a man to pee on it for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you tweet that one out, Ellie? <laughs> yeah, uh, uh,
6: uh, 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 you know, Andrea, I have to ask you, you have all this envy. Is there anything you guys can grow there except, oh, except my citrus? Goodness.
2: Well, <laughs> we have beautiful um, native species in Western Australia that are the envy of the entire world. And we're just coming up for our spring season mm-hmm. when Kings Park, which is a, a very large park right in the centre of the city, sits high up on a hill overlooking the city of Perth. Um, is going to be filled with the most beautiful wildflower displays. And um, What are some
6: of the, the flowers that are native there that we are not going to see here in North America?
2: So some that you um, might find difficult to see will be the Eremophilas. We have uh, you know, hundreds of different types of Eremophilas. Um, and, which and, grow...
6: and what is that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so they, it's a very large group of plants um, that have uh, mostly gray leaves and you'll gray? see grey leaves and purple flowers. So you, you'll you see Eremophila nivea you might have seen here commercially grown. I've certainly seen it in California. Um, an absolutely stunning plant that grows um, in sort of harsher climates. So down in Arizona it would grow, in California it mm-hmm. would grow very well. Um, also, you could um, you could <laughs> um, um, um. you could uh, also see uh, anagazanthus, which is our, our kangaroo, po- <laughs> our kangaroo paws, which you might have also uh, yes, seen. Yes,
6: I know that one. Uh, yes.
2: you would have seen them growing in uh, containers. A lot of it, uh, Americans are starting to use them in container plants. That's actually our um, state emblem. The kangaroo paw, Anikazanthus, the red Kings Park special. So it's bright red, and so it looks like the head of a kangaroo uh, or the paw of a kangaroo, I should say. And then it has a green flame behind it. But that comes in a a great number of colours, so you can get it in oranges, reds and even uh, a black one, which is black with lime green. Uh, Absolutely stunning plants.
5: Now I'm I'm getting a case of plant lust. (laughs) Right, right, me too.
2: (laughs) And then, of course, there's our beautiful banksias
5: um,
2: that are absolutely stunning plants, and they grow anything from a tiny little one called banksia birthday candles, which is a low-growing plant, and the banksias actually stand up uh, all around as if it's a birthday cake with candles on it. Uh, and then we have the giant banksias, which grow to uh, four or five metres tall. Oh. So a huge variety of plants. Is so come perennial? on down to Western Australia. They're, uh, they're trees and, they're, and, oh, and, okay. and um, yeah, perennial flowering, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure.
5: Well, the love of gardening is really worldwide, and in fact, I was just remembering that one of our vendors at the uh, Garden Writer Symposium that's going on here in Chicago uh, is Teslar Plants, and they're from Australia, they and are from they, the are the, they are the folks behind Flower Carpet Roses and one of my favorite perennials, which is the Flox, uh, Volcano Flox. Oh, yes. I, know- uh,
6: I actually had the honor of sitting down with Anthony. Teslar, uh, yeah. several years ago. Had lunch.
2: Yeah. You know, when
6: we talked plants, it was yeah. pretty remarkable. Yeah. The
2: last time I saw him at a GWA conference, he and his wife were here for in Pasadena. So in, in, when I say here, I mean here in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> Not here. here. GWA moors right. around yeah. uh, so
7: all over the United States. Mm-hmm. So uh, Pasadena was the first one you came that to, That was my right? first one, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah.
6: Well, as you can tell, is not from these parts, uh, <laughs> but uh, she's uh, from Perth, Australia. She's sitting next to Mary-Kate Mackey from uh, Oregon. Not Oregon. We'll, we'll just You're keep so emphasizing worried, that. Mike. Yeah, you, Every
7: time I hear it, it's wonderful. I,
6: you know, I wanted to get the song, uh, uh, Eugene, but I, f- I forgot oh, to get that one. Thank you for oh, not okay. getting that okay. one. That's okay.
7: okay. And yeah. CL
6: Fornari, they're all here for the Garden Writers Conference. We're going to continue our conversation right after this. It's the Mike
0: Novak Show with Becky Bilecki. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to lead healthier lives. And Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings is the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complementary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even keeping your pets healthy. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and healthy cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout the city, as well as suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us at nashicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more.
10: Afternoons have never been smarter, 1590 WCGO, smart talk for the North Shore.
7: Uh, My name is Eugene.
5: I think Mike just might play that frequently. <laughs> In the mornings, as he
2: gets ready for work.
5: Yeah. Hey, what's
1: happening? <laughs> <laughs> hey, two ginger bells for my girl. <laughs> oh,
6: dear. Uh, that's Eugene. Okay. That. <laughs> that's, that's, I, I am so sorry, Mary-Kate, but...
7: Uh, <laughs> blame, blame, blame Randall. Randall. Blame really, Bill. That's impressive.
6: We blame Bill for that. That's
7: okay. a hashtag blame Bill,
0: definitely.
6: All right. Okay. You listening, ba- Bill? Uh, <laughs> welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, where... You say it, we play it.
0: That actually got a thumbs-up on Facebook, by the way. <laughs> 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 from me, himself. Yes, obviously.
6: And we have an online question. Uh, and again, you're welcome to call. I mean, I'll, I'll throw it out. Usually, I'll be honest, we get most of our stuff on Facebook and Twitter. In fact, I haven't even been looking at the Twitter. Somebody's out there. But you can call 877-711-5611. If you want to talk to these wonderful women here in the
0: studio, what's the question, Peggy? So coming in on Facebook, is there the same effort to plant natives in Western Australia as we have here in the U.S.?
2: Very much so. So uh, the garden centers are encouraging people to, and the government really, um, encouraging people to plant more sustainably and using West Australian natives Mm -hmm. that are endemic to the places where people come from because Western Australia is a very big space. Um, so trying to encourage people to plant uh, native plants that are from where they are uh, is is becoming more and more um, prevalent and people are really uh, being encouraged to do that um, because you can create a most beautiful, you can plant a cottage garden using native plants mm-hmm. and yeah. we want to try and encourage birds and, and other um, bugs and critters into your garden and you can only do that if you uh, encourage uh, people to plant native
6: plants. There we and go. And I'm sure that's and the it's same about, here. You know, and, and if you read Doug Tallamy, his whole point, and it was something that he introduced to me that I didn't know about, which in the past it was, well, you plant natives because they're hardier, they're adapted to the area. And then he started talking about insect biomass. And if you stop giving our insects what they're, been feeding on for millennia and reproducing on for millennia, we're gonna lose those insects. And what happens if we lose those insects? All kinds of stuff. That's a chain reaction at that point. And I know a lot of folks are not fans of insects. I am. I'm i I'm a huge fan. It's like even mosquitoes have a place in I know they are the number one killer, animal killer on the planet. However, when I hear Folks saying, you know, we can genetically uh, f- uh, fix mosquitoes so they can't reproduce. And I think, mm.
5: Oh, I'm all for that. <laughs> 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 you really want to go there? I'm, I'm I, all for that. I, I, I Although say, but, I will agree with you, Mike, that, uh, you know, it, it is one of the first laws of ecology. Everything is connected to everything else. Mm-hmm.
7: Yes. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. and we
5: always have to remember
7: that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
6: by the way, we've uh, here's a uh, uh, another. It's not a question; it's a comment on Twitter from Mud Baron in California.
7: Oh, hello, Mud Baron! <laughs> All right, he
6: says, uh, "Blossom end is a thing in Southern Cal." Mike, don't mess with my Epsom salts. <laughs> yeah. oh.
5: Well, you, whether you're putting Epsom salts on your your tomatoes or not, they will they should grow out of it. Particularly if you're watering uh, evenly. This is a huge myth uh, that was included in my book. Um, which uh, is that it's a lack of calcium that causes blossom Mm -hmm. end rot. Not magnesium. And not magnesium, first of all. And it's not even a lack of calcium. It's stress that that causes blossom end rot.
6: Yeah, yeah, it's hard to explain because it's related to calcium uptake. It is related
5: to calcium, and calcium plays a role. To their ability to uptake
0: the calcium. right. Right. uh,
5: And it's usually uneven watering that causes it. And the interesting thing is that most gardeners will notice that as the tomato plant gets bigger and older with a well-established root system, you don't get blossom end rot on those tomatoes anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's because the tomato was able to withstand the stress. So it's always those first tomatoes when you're really looking forward to that (laughs) ripe fruit, and you see it, and it's red, and the critters haven't gotten it, and you pick it, and then you turn it over, and it's all black on the bottom, right? And you
0: see the critter chomp. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) 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 We've we've got another Facebook question for Andrea. What is your favorite Australian plant? Ooh. Oh, that's a really hard question. And which
7: child do you like? <laughs> which child
0: do you like? That's right. What's your favorite that's dog of all
2: time?
8: Look, I have to say the Gazanthus,
2: the kangaroo paws, are, a, are such a spe- spectacular group of plants. And I just um, want
6: you to say that name again.
2: Anagazanthus?
5: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Talk dirty to me, Mike. <laughs> Ow. Ow. He's a cool dude. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, no, they're and absolutely beautiful. And the macropedia the um the black one with the um I I'm also a garden designer and so using that plant in a modern plant setting uh where people are wanting to, you know, create maybe a, a dry type of garden, uh, very architectural garden, if I can plant, pop in some of those as a big group uh, amongst a whole lot of other really architectural plants, mm-hmm. um, that really comes up very, very well. And they're also quite resistant. We, they have an ink spot disease. So the macropedia are, um, have a, a less likelihood of having that ink spot disease, mm-hmm. and which is uh, blackening of the leaves because it's a grassy plant underneath. And then it gets this giant stem on it with the black flowers and the lime green on the top. Um, so I would have to say... The the kangaroo paws are my favorite of the West Australian plants.
6: Well, it's mine too now. All right.
5: That's all I
6: care about. Uh, we're going to be breaking in just a couple of minutes. I want to remind people that in the second hour, these ladies are still staying. This is so cool. I'm having, I'm having such a good time. And uh, we're going to bring in uh, an award-winner... At the GWA conference this year, he's getting the Hall of Fame Award. His yeah. name is James Augustus Baggett, uh, editor, senior editor for Garden Gate Magazine. He's uh, been a magazine editor for 1,762 magazines in the past Three years alone. I just made yes. that up.
2: Uh, uh, how does
1: he do it? I, I don't know. How I,
6: I, I, I was reading his bio and trying t- to keep track. I couldn't keep – I just lost count. And uh, so he, he's done a lot of stuff. He's been with Better Homes and Gardens, Country Living Gardener, Rebecca's Garden, Martha Stewart Living Book. Uh, he wrote The, fl- the Flower Ranging uh, for that. Uh, American Home Style and Gardening. I mean – On and on and on. So uh, James Baggett will join us and be grilled by these women here. Uh, Because I (laughs) I refuse to have anything to do with it. You guys are the ones that are the the experts here, and I'll just uh, let you uh, have at it. Uh, Before we go, uh, real quick hits from all of you. You've talked, Andrea, uh, already about it's dry, it's hot in Australia. What kind of year have we had on the Pacific Northwest?
7: Oh, it's way too hot. We have now broken the record for the number of days over 90 degrees, and it's not stopping. The next 11 days are going to be over 90 degrees, which... Is, is just phenomenal for us.
6: Yeah, and this is an area, and again, like I said, I know about the Pacific Northwest, and one of the things I always used to tell people is that it's paradise. It, it rarely gets below 30 and rarely above 80. It's just so wonderful. And now you have heat wave after heat wave after heat wave.
7: Right. We have a modified Mediterranean climate where we don't have much rain in the summer, but we have had no rain since May 29th. Oh, my so, goodness. I, yeah. Wow. I mean, it's really, really scary where we are.
6: And on the East Coast?
5: East Coast has been very warm as well. Uh, We're blessed by the sea breeze on the Cape where I am, but it has been quite warm. And uh, my tip to everyone in warm weather is when you're watering those containers, you water them twice. You go by and you water everything very well once, and then you start again and you water it all again.
6: You know... uh, uh, my partner Kathleen does that when she's out watering the tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, she says you just you set the you know
0: you, you just keep going make, in a circle make
6: make the ground receptive right. to to, mm-hmm. to the water right. and then come back and, and
5: then yep. you come back yeah. and fully hydrate
7: it because That's when right. it's when it's dry like that it often the water is not being taken yeah. up that That's first right. time it, it it's like you have to soak the sponge and then mm-hmm. soak mm-hmm. it again yeah, go good, good twice. analogy
5: why is nice all
6: mm-hmm. right, we've we've got another. Eh, forty-five minutes of this coming up, so stick around. <laughs> it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We have our wonderful friends from the Garden Writers Association in the studio. We hope you stick around for that. We'll be back.
3: Captain's log, Stardate four two three two six point one. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form, Mister Wolf. Status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables we are being stalked by stocks of asparagus
6: that is incorrect mr asparagus officinalis or killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome
3: by the brilliant author mike novak mike novak i'm familiar with his work mike novak was one of the smartest funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century sound red alert shields up Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe, author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Walt Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. <laughs> How many times can I say it?
4: Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at
3: 847- A new secure line has been opened for communication, 877-711-5611. Now please make enjoy for second hour capitalist radio.
4: Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak.
6: All I need is good food to eat, make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake, lettuce, tomatoes, real all I need is good and speaking of good songs, that's a great song. I love that. Uh, yes, yeah, good one. Our uh, production guy Mike Michalski came up with that. He used it for when, when we were at the uh, Good Food Festival, which is now called the Good Food Expo, here in Chicago uh, last year. And we said, "Hey, where'd you get that song? I want that. Yeah, you know, let's, let's use it on a regular basis." Oh, we need a mic for Peggy. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you can turn it back off.
0: Fine, I'll just sit in the corner. Uh, (laughs) No, no,
6: no, Mary-Kate's already doing that. No, actually, Mary-Kate is is giving us uh, instruction on mic technique, which is just terrific, which is?
7: Well, talk to this mic, not that one. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But I'm pumped.
6: Meaning you have to talk into the microphone. For all future guests on the show, keep that in mind. Um, And uh, um, I wanted to mention something. We were talking about shows, and and I know, CL, that you you do a show on Saturday mornings. You do your radio show. What are the
5: stations you're on? WXTK, which is uh, 95.1 FM, and it's a news talk radio for... Uh, southeast Massachusetts, Cape and Islands.
6: And I've been trying to get on a Saturday morning. You're on a Saturday morning. I've been trying to get on a Saturday morning for 21 years, and it hasn't happened yet. Okay, <laughs> well, we, 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 we were did, briefly oh, for we a Saturday were, We morning. were briefly, and then it just didn't it, work it, out. Here. Here's
5: the thing. I've, I've always felt like it is not fair that gardening and plants are confined to the weekend, first of all. Um, you know, I know and, garden
6: shows that are on Tuesdays, which yeah. is yeah,
5: which yes, is the beauty of podcasts is that people can listen anywhere, anytime, and it no longer sticks. You know, plants and gardenings on the weekend; they can listen on their way to work, or mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. when they're out in the yard, uh, whatever.
6: And they do, and, and that, that, they do, and that, and that is the beauty of, of podcasts. Yes,
5: in fact, most podcasts are listened to, believe it or not, during work hours. Monday I through like Friday. That. Monday <laughs> when through people Friday, are supposed to be to working. That's
6: right. <laughs> exactly. <when they laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I, I always laugh when they say in these stations, bring bring the show to work and stream it live or stream it on podcast while you're right. there. And I'm thinking, when is the work getting done? <laughs> <laughs> work? What? What, what, what? what the heck is that? Uh, anyway, folks, uh, reintroductions are in order. We have C.L. Fornari. Uh, Here in the studio, she's written seven books, including Coffee for Roses and The Cocktail Hour Garden. Uh, She's talked to us on this show about that over the last... You know, the first time I talked to you, uh, uh, the Coffee for Roses book, this was like... You need to know, it was the you know, careers ebb and flow. That was an ebb. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was podcasting off of my dining room table, yep. and I called you, and you were just wonderful and talked to me, and I had a great time. And then, since then, I found myself here at WCGO and very happy about it. Um, so, um, it's always nice when garden friends step up and and help you out, and they're always usually. Excited to talk mm-hmm. gardening with anybody. Plant
5: people are very excited about plants, Absolutely. right? We are all on Team Horticulture, and we want to share that excitement, which is what the Garden Writers Association is all about. We we want to share our excitement about plants. With the public, whether Mm -hmm. somebody has black thumbs or green thumbs, (laughs) we don't care. They can get enjoyment from plants.
7: I just want to say that, uh, folks listening, if you're in this Chicago area, come on down to Navy Pier. You can buy a one-day ticket. Uh, You can buy the whole thing. I I mean, it's all out there for uh, the—and you get to see twofer on this one because it's the Independent Garden Center and the Garden Communicators All in one place.
5: Yeah, and and the whole schedule for the event here in Chicago is on the Garden Writers website, which is gardenwriters.org.
0: And Thursday would probably be the best day.
5: Well, yeah, they should take a look at the schedule Mm -hmm. and see what Thursday has a lot lot of educational sessions, including Mary-Kate's. And there's a great app that you can look
2: up. Yes. Uh, we've got a new GWA app. Oh, cool. App yes. So that people can go to the app and find out what the program of events is. Yes. And come down and join for the day. It would be fantastic to see people. And I need to give
6: a shout-out to Beth Botts.
5: Yes, Beth Botts. Yes. Is, is, yes. is
6: She's the best. She and, is the best. And I've known her for many years, and she has actually hosted this program when I'm not available. And uh, she is kind of the one who instigated – getting some of this together. Um, a lot
7: and... of it. She's oh, done a ton yeah. oh, of oh, work. Yeah,
6: yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I actually admit this show today. Oh, this show? Yeah, oh, but, right. but hey, <laughs> she's, she's been behind the scenes putting this conference together, and I yes. know how hard she works. And there are other people, too, and I don't want to slight anybody. I just, <laughs> I know Beth. And uh, we've talked about it, and she's mm-hmm. uh, been working very hard. So I hope she's listening. I have no idea. She's probably at a meeting. Yeah, so yeah. That's, it's a Sunday morning, and, and and that's the thing. You guys are ramping up already for This week. And you mentioned, you know, garden writers, but there are radio people, podcasters, there are editors, there are photo- photographers, there are uh, speakers. speakers. That's right. All kinds of different people are in the Garden Writers Association. So... Um, it it covers a wide range. And uh, so I introduce CL. We've got a minute here before we break, and then we bring in James Baggett. Uh, Andrea Whiteley is in studio from Perth, Australia. Mary-Kate Mackey is here also, uh, award-winning author, speaker, and teacher uh, from uh, uh, Eugene, <laughs> uh, uh, Oregon. 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 Uh, and uh, now we're going to grill James Baggett. So I, I hope he's listening right now. <laughs>
2: Turn out the fire. <laughs> uh,
6: uh, he's a busy guy. He probably doesn't have time. He's uh, based in Iowa. So uh, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're going to do this for a little. And, and off, uh, Rick my Weather, of course, at the usual time today. So stick around for that. We will be right back. From boat to doorstep. This is Treekeeper number 417. Hydrated, loppers sharpened, and reporting that Openlands has Treekeeper summer and fall courses in 2018. Treekeepers are trained volunteers who advocate and care for nature's most majestic plants, trees, around the Chicago area. Trust me, you'll be glad you took the course. The summer course is Tuesdays and Thursdays in Arlington Heights. The fall course is Sundays and Thursdays at Wells Park in Chicago. To learn more, visit openlands.org slash treekeepers. One of McHenry County's premier sustainability events is coming up, and now's the time to sign up. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its 11th annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place in November, but registration for vendor and artist space is now open. This year's expo will be bigger than ever. The popular Artist Walk returns, featuring sustainable artwork, jewelry, and decorative items and if your business offers eco-friendly holiday gifts being a vendor is the perfect head start to the season last year's event attracted more than 1100 visitors peggy and i were there and i bowled pumpkins for compost it's a fun way to interact with the green community register today for the mchenry county college green living expo call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu
3: you're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood, located at 3450 West Devon Avenue. Visit them on the web at fastsigns.com/80. This is Your Talk, one of the few true originals of our time on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago.
6: Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki, And uh, that's another great green song you can bring in for a gardening program, Green Onions. Uh, Let's go to the phone line and bring in our very special guest for the second hour, James Augustus Baggett. James, are you with us?
10: Hey, Mike. Hey, Peggy. I'm delighted to join the conversation.
6: Uh, I don't know if you caught any of it, but it's uh, we've been having a lot of fun here this morning. And, oh yeah, I've been listening. Oh, uh, great. And uh, and we're really not going to grill you. That's that's uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, but we're we're very pleased to have you uh, here. Uh, James is the uh, senior editor for Garden Gate Magazine. Uh, if I get anything wrong, just correct me, James, because you've done a lot of editing. Uh, 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 over the past 30 years, you've been an editor and writer um, until 2017, the editor of Country Gardens, as well as all of the Better Homes and Gardens special interest publication gardening titles, uh, former executive editor of Country Living Gardener and Rebecca's Garden for Hearst Publications. Uh, you wrote Flower Arranging, uh, a best of Martha Stewart living book, uh, and the former garden uh, editor. Of American Homestyle and Gardening, and founding managing editor of El Decor. So, but you got it all in there. Okay, good. All right. What a superstar! That's all the time we have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, forget about the Garden Award.
6: No. So, and but that's just the build up to the fact that at the GWA this week you're going to be given. Uh, the Hall of Fame Award. You will be inducted into the GWA Hall of Fame. Last year we had uh, Melinda Myers on the show. She's a friend of the show. Um, and it's quite an honor, so uh, congratulations, James.
10: Hey, you know, it is an honor, and it's especially an honor being a print garden editor because really there's so few of us, and every single print garden editor in this country impacts such a number of other freelancers and producers and photographers. And, uh, to be acknowledged is, uh, it really has a great honor after doing it for so many years.
6: Well, let's, let's address that a little bit. Uh, do you see the print as setting a tone or is it just sort of the anchor of, of garden communication?
10: Um, I do think it is the anchor of garden communication. Uh, and it's not going anywhere. You know, it's a, it's a tough business, and we are not, as I, I mentioned to you earlier, we are not one garden country. Mm-hmm. So it's especially tough to try to pr- produce a garden publication that addresses, excuse me, I'm going in the house, uh, <laughs> that addresses all uh, of gardeners in this country. Um, that's probably the biggest challenge. But then there's also the, uh, the dictates of the market that make it especially hard in this climate to produce a money-making garden publication. Uh, uh, so we really need to embrace all of those outlets that we have in this country, whether it's uh, David Ellis and the American Gardener or Steve Aiken at Fine Gardening. Uh, all these people uh, impact our, our industry in a, pretty, in a very deep way.
6: And it's, and, it's, and it's extremely difficult. One of the things that uh, if you're in almost any business, but certainly in horticultural business, everybody's looking for a way to monetize. If you're doing podcasts or you're doing radio, how do you monetize, uh, which is a way of saying, how do you make money? Uh,
7: How do you pay the electric bill? Yes. Uh, How do you pay the writers? (laughs) uh,
6: And so I have such deep respect, and and I'm going to throw a name out there because a guy I know, Bill Aldrich, who started Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. Of
10: course, of course. We love Bill.
6: uh, Everybody does. He's just a wonderful, wonderful man, and he gave me a shot. I wrote a a piece for him. Uh, It was like one piece. I, I said, hey, would you consider doing... Putting this in the magazine, mm-hmm. he writes me like a week later and says, "Want to be a columnist?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wow! And 15 years later, I'm still doing it, and and I owe him a lot. But he's he had the guts, and it's and I want to get back to what you were saying to start a magazine in in the 90s, um, and. Uh, try to make it work it's still around it's been it was sold he had to sell the magazine uh, and that's part of the business too there are mergers and and uh, again it's all about how do you how do you make that work so one of the things you and I talked about the other day James was the niche as we say uh, publications you say there's a real strong market for those out there yet
10: indeed there is and uh, in fact you know, it's important for all of us to tell um, uh, as, as we move forward, more diverse stories include more diverse uh, voices coming from the garden world. Uh, and, you know, it, if, if one of our challenges is that young people and millennials, you know, they don't gar- yeah, they're not Googling the word garden or gardening. That seems like work to them. Their number one word they Google is plants. <laughs> They like plants, so we need to tell the stories behind plants and diverse gardeners. And But our main challenge right now, I think, moving forward, is how we get these uh, publications in these young people's hands. They're not going to newsstand the traditional method that uh, we've always relied on. So we have this great challenge in the industry to find a way to put our product in front of them and get it where they can just click and buy it and have it in their hands.
5: <laughs>
6: uh, easier said than done, mm-hmm. eh? Uh, yeah. But but uh, you, you make a really good point that there's a lot of distractions out there, but I, I love the idea that, that people want to talk about their plants because ultimately that's, that's what it's all about. How do I keep this plant alive? And, you know,
10: whether we're writing about plants to engage our readers or our listeners or our viewers or whether we're trying to get someone to pick up and buy a plant, when you tell them the story behind that plant that is so much more compelling and gives them a reason, that's when they want to grow that plant and they want to be a part of that story as well.
6: So, what do you find are the storylines that are getting that kind of interest among millennials right now?
10: Um, you know what? If you if you write about right now, they can't get enough about tropical houseplants and, mm, yeah, uh, you house plants house, and anything uh, uh, coming from Australia. Probably everything from kangaroo paws. Um, I think one of the uh, it's a huge trend for some reason that they hook into a specific plant, but they love growing monstera. Yeah, they right. love growing peperomias. Yeah. How did we get to this place after this huge fascination with succulents that it isn't going anywhere fast and now it's translating into other uh, very curious and very uh, uh, statement oriented uh, house plants.
2: Which are almost for some people becoming uh, the, the equivalent of their fur baby. They're so obsessed with their Monstera uh, in <laughs> their homes. Plant <laughs> 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 Hashtag Monstera plant Monday. Baby. That's yeah. right. Yeah.
6: <laughs> and I, I have a few and I try to add to them as I can. And, uh, uh, but you're right. The, the, that's a whole different section, though. That's a magazine in itself, it seems to me, is your indoor plants. Um, is that, should that be a separate conversation, James?
10: I don't think it is. I think it's part and parcel of the whole package. You know, I, I'm an avid gardener. Um, a moment ago, I was standing out on my front porch, and I thought, "Man, I'm the lucky one. I'm the only one who can look out and look at my garden right now and tell
5: you, <laughs> you know, and
10: tell you what's going on." And, and there are, in fact, birds in my bird bath as I look out the window right yeah. now. But mm-hmm. um, 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 I'm sorry, I forgot your question.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, I would say, Mike, that um, for many people. Uh, there is a plant that is the gateway drug exactly. that, that brings you into the world of plants. And that might be monstera, it might be succulents, or, you know, for every person, it is different. And then it opens up uh, people's eyes to this wonderful world of greenery and what you can grow for fragrance and taste and, and you know, uh, And, you know, C.L., that's so fascinating
10: because to us traditionally that was Hosta. Hosta was the gateway perennial yes. mm-hmm. that so many gardeners found their way into the garden. Exactly. And now we have to change that conversation to include folks who are plant-focused and tropical and house-plant-focused, yes. and they want to create escape using that plant. You know, they want to yes. use it outside and decorate with it outside. It's and decor. that's where we need to come in. And fill those gaps.
5: Absolutely.
6: And, and speaking of hostas, part of the conversation has gone to native plants. And I find it interesting when you get the two camps and the people who are interested only in the latest, greatest, new variety, and then the ones who say, no, 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 you've got to have just – we have to go back to our roots, so to speak – uh, and I, and I think there's there 's a happy medium in there where uh, we had a, a a person on the show a couple of weeks ago talking about rain gardens. I said, what, what can you put in a rain garden? Uh, you know, should we go native? She said, well, you know, daylilies and hostas work really well in, <laughs> yeah, and, and, do. in rain gardens. And- I'm a
2: greedy gun. I want it all. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. I want natives. Yes. I want uh, introduced species. I want everything in my garden. Yeah. And I think a lot of people right. Are like Right, I can't that. imagine
10: my garden without peonies. Yeah. But I also no. look outside and my, my Joe Pie weed is covered in big, fat bumblebees right oh, now. Yes. And my panicle hydrangea. Uh, looks like a million bucks. But I've got Baptisia and Barona castrum and Ansonia out there. It's mostly native plants out there. So uh, it, it does support a wide amount of wildlife, even in my suburban front yard here in Des Moines, Iowa.
6: Yeah, I, I would say if we could get folks to focus a little more on natives, that would be a really good thing. I just say I don't think we have, you have to be a purist. I think, though, you need to pay attention to that in a way that I would say 20 Twenty-five years ago, we didn't, and and now we're we're more about that, and I think we're a little smarter as we look at the resources of our planet and what's going to protect
5: them. Mm -hmm. I think that this is one. one... You know,
10: Mike, I came to garden writing rather late in my career, probably in my thirties, and I had started uh, as a garden communicator uh, while I was still in journalism school at the University of Missouri. I sold my first article to the Missouri DNR magazine on the oldest living tree in Missouri. (laughs) And I did an internship at Popular Science magazine. I thought I was a science writer. Um, I am a science writer. Um, My first job was working at Scholastic at a children's classroom science magazine. So I prided myself on being able to take complicated subjects and explain them to the masses. And um, I've always written Uh, plant and garden-based and horticulture-based stories, but I still didn't know there was something uh, called garden writing out there in the world. Um, So I've always approached it uh, from from a factual science-based orientation. Uh, so, uh, when we talk about native plants, we need to remember that the insects you mentioned earlier evolved hand-in-hand with those plants, mm-hmm. so it's about the things that evolved together. You know, honeybees aren't native, it's, uh, it's like a, right. uh, mm-hmm. it's a non-native species
3: <laughs> yeah. mm. that
10: is sort of more like keeping cows or cattle than uh, uh, supporting native Landstock. pollinator populations.
6: Yeah, and yet... And yet they're important uh, and they're important to our agriculture here in the United States and, and around the world. So uh, I think that's the perfect example of how you have to understand where the insects, where the plants come from and, and know their origins before you can act or, or make a comment about them. So honeybees are the I was just talking to somebody the other day about that because I was judging a, a garden for an awards ceremony and they had beehives there and we got to talking about honeybees how well, they're not native, but why wouldn't you want to have honeybees and honey in in your in your yard? Uh, so, uh, of CL, you were going to say something. earlier. Well, I was
5: going to say that I think that um, the one thing that the millennials and the younger population, as they're coming to plants, that they are bringing to the conversation about plants. And and it's very welcome is that they are not only interested in a plant. What does it do for me, you
9: mm-hmm. know? Uh,
5: but they're also interested in what does it do for the world. Who and does for it the feed? Planet. Yeah, that's right. right. And uh, they have that foremost in their mind as they're approaching their environments as well. So yeah. that's a good and thing.
7: And the interesting thing for me just recently is this sense of. Gardening to the ground in the sense of doing what nature is doing, Uh, planting in a post-wild world. I read that book, and it Hmm. was like, oh, I suddenly get it, Mm -hmm. that it's all the way down. I need to look for plants that are occupying all the niches to the ground, and my life gets easier as a gardener. Mm -hmm. Mm
6: -hmm. Well, uh, James, uh, we have a couple of minutes here. What are you going to be telling your fellow garden communicators uh, as you accept your award. You don't have to give the whole speech. Uh,
10: <laughs> but what's... Oh, my God. Well, then, you know what? I can't do it all because they've given me two minutes. Ah.
2: Ah. Oh, maybe. Then they start playing the music and you're off,
1: like the Academy Awards. What, right. what,
6: what do you want to get across, James?
10: Um, you know what? It, it, the, the, there's something that we all do as garden communicators, and gives us such conviction is that we all know in our hearts that we really are making the world a better place through the work that we do, especially when we package accurate horticultural information for Mm. as many people as possible. Um, I couldn't Mm -hmm. be more passionate about any other aspect of my work than getting it right and getting it out to as many people as possible. Um, And every one of our voices is needed, and there are so many garden stories to be told. Um, uh, That I really want to inspire people that there's a place for all those stories to be told and print certainly isn't going anywhere. It really isn't. In fact, millennials are finding it increasingly more authentic, even though to me (laughs) that's one of those words that really doesn't mean anything.
2: Because it's not fake news. <laughs> well, if it's
7: in print, it must be true. <laughs> Said Abraham Lincoln. <laughs>
2: well, James,
6: uh, thank you so much uh, for uh, being on the show. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person, um, and um, congratulations and, and good luck. I mean, you're 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 a young guy. You got a, a lot of work ahead of you.
10: Uh,
5: <laughs> I, I, He's hoping to retire. Thank you, and I look forward to
10: uh, seeing you all there. And Mary Kate, I miss you to pieces. Oh, Absolutely. We,
5: we look forward James. to toasting
7: you, James. You're the editor best. Just,
5: just reach oh, out. I want, thank you, Mary Kate. I, I want,
6: I want a group hug here on the radio. Can, can we oh. have that? Yeah, <laughs>
7: yeah, yeah,
10: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thank you, you guys. I'll be there on Tuesday.
6: Love you, right, Take care. Bye, bye. Uh, all right. We have one more segment here with uh, the five of us here in the studio.
0: Garden party. Yeah, uh, the garden party It is, is a, happening. a
6: radio garden party here. Uh, and uh, th- this is a uh, guest choice about what we want to talk about. I could push you in a direction, but you guys figure it out. It's the Mike Nowak <laughs> Show with Peggy Malecki. GWA coming up, and we'll be right back.
8: Did you know a typical carrot travels 1,838 miles to reach your dinner table? That's not a sustainable distance, and it's a great reason to consider eating more locally. In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Reducing your food miles is one way to lower your carbon footprint and eat more sustainably, which is healthier for the planet and probably for you, too. So go to your local farmer's market and get to know your farmers. Consider joining a CSA, Community Supported Agriculture, and get fruits and vegetables fresh from the farm directly. It's also a great way to stimulate local economy. Find a farmer's market or CSA near you by going to localharvest.org. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com.
6: Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, regional reports, what to do in the garden, and even my column on the inside back of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines on newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600.
3: This is your talk. Do you read me on fifteen ninety WCGO, Evanston, Chicago? Come on, is anybody even out there?
6: This is me in my kitchen.
5: What a cook!
6: Yeah. <laughs> no, I just pound on the pans. <laughs> on the <wooden> <laughs>
5: now I'm usually the yeah. kitchen dancer.
0: Compost You're right. tea
4: smells so sweet, sweet in the heat, in the hot, hot heat
7: of summer. Oh. Stinky garbage eat the kitchen sink, <laughs> piling up till it's on the brink. Trash is heavy now, trash is waste. Mother Earth, she needs the space.
6: Yeah, the compost, compost heat. Tea. Uh, and, and that's an important thing, and it actually sort of leads us into We were discussing, and those of you watching on Facebook Live uh, know we were trying to figure out what we want to talk about at the very last segment here before I let these wonderful women go. Uh, and we talked about, we said, well, what about vegetables? Well, that's part of it, compost and putting your vegetables in there and putting your scraps in there. Um, science is part of it, soil, uh, all of it. I mean, we could go on for days, for weeks, Easily mm-hmm. about the things that we're passionate about and how do we get them out. And that's why you guys are here in town uh, at the GWA and IGC. Uh, and uh, I, I want to give the IGC folks a, a quick plug, too, because you've got your vendors. You've got um, you're going to learn about products and techniques uh, that you use in the garden.
0: and And see what people, what the public is seeing out at garden centers. Right. That's right.
6: And uh, and that's a chance for me to put in another plug for your independent garden center. Please shop at your independent garden center. If you want them to go the way of bookstores, then, yeah, sure, go to the box stores and buy whatever you want. But if you want them to stick around so you can get some knowledge in addition to plants, and you can get plants that are actually healthy.
7: Very and, healthy. And, and <laughs> yeah.
6: variety, have some variety, please shop at your independent garden center. Um, I had a friend who works in an independent garden center, said he's seen this before where they a pull, the couple pulls into the parking lot. Woman woman gets out of the car, walks in the store, asks him a couple of questions about a plant, gets back in the car, and he knows they're going down the, the block to the box store right. to buy the plant, even though they got the information at the garden center that's just rude first of all uh, and it's stupid uh, because you're going to do much better what it costs you a nickel more at the the independent garden center and so you're not going you're not going to shop there right. that's just insane
7: but those plants will also be well cared for
6: yes mm-hmm. that's what that's, you're paying for that's part of what you're paying for that they'll they
7: be watered they'll be healthy yep
6: yeah so all right, but let's, let's get to the, a little bit of science, just a little bit here. And as I mentioned before, CL, last time you were on my show, I had Dr. Linda Chalker-Scott on, and she's all about science. Sure. Um, and how do we get uh, the next generation to understand that part of what they're doing, it's not touchy-feely. There is science behind it. What, uh, you know, you're all communicators. What's the, what's the first thing you tell them?
2: Well, a lot of them are already very much connected with the earth in that way. They're, they're, um, if they're interested in plants, they've had them in their homes. They might have had them in their apartments as a, as a house plant. And then they're ready to take the next step and create a garden um, around, their, around their property. They might be a new homeowner or they might even be living at home with their parents and they want to start a garden. But the, the kids who are interested in gardening are learning it at school. Mm -hmm. Um, And more and more schools where I come from are having kitchen gardens Mm -hmm. in the school.
6: It's happening here in the States as well. There's a very
2: strong movement for nature play. Uh, And nature play is where the playground in the school has real dirt and no. kids are allowed to no. get dirty <laughs> and they get wet <laughs> and they get muddy hands and that connection with the earth is going to be fantastic for that generation to then step up and become gardeners of the future. And um, those kids are, all, are already learning about soil and uh, what happens in the soil and microorganisms and bacteria and things. that They're learning that through play. Mm-hmm. And their teachers are sharing that information with them, so I think that generation is going to be better equipped to be better gardeners for the future, um, much better than our generation, who perhaps um, did not have that same connection because people were busy putting in um, you know four park uh, you know play equipment that people couldn 't fall off yeah, or and, hurt uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> imagine that someone oh, yeah. fell off a swing or or my
6: generation <laughs> uh, where my mom was all about frozen food. That was like the greatest thing ever because This was the new thing, and she just, you know, and wow! I bought this thing at the store. It's called bugles. They're
5: really good. Uh, uh, (laughs) And
6: uh, yikes!
5: But the other, the other thing about our generation, Mike, is that we were blessed because we were pushed outside and told not to come back until dinner. Yes, that's true. And we had to make our fun. The the, streetlights are on. Yeah, we had to make our fun in the natural world, and uh, that was a wonderful thing. And in fact, I think that's how I got hooked on plants was. You know, just messing around, playing in that tree that fell down mm-hmm. and, right. uh you know, squashing up the yew berries and watching the ants go <laughs> toward the squashed berries and all those little things that kids do mm-hmm. to entertain
7: themselves. My, making acorn stew.
5: Exactly. Uh, yes, exactly. mud, acorn pies.
7: Stew, mud, mud pies. pies. I remember a forsythia bush that no, and no one pruned, so it had wonderful... Underneath, and no one could find it, me. Yeah, it could wow. be your
5: world, Yeah, right? mm-hmm. yes. exactly. So we were fortunate yeah. in that way.
6: That's true, uh, and, and it is a shame that we don't have that world. Here's a, another part of that world, is that I could get on my bike and go a few blocks and find a pond and tadpoles. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and that they almost don't exist anymore in urban and suburban areas.
5: That's right. That's right. But they're coming
2: back, but there's a very strong movement to interest. To reinvent that free-range yeah. free children, <laughs> right. um, but are you going to
7: let your kid play in the rain garden? So, I mean, yeah. Well, I think that's a lot of people of
5: certainly. Well, if I it's only hostas, yes. then yeah. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, w- the subtitle, Mike of uh, Ellen and my podcast, Plant Rama, is art, science, and dinner. It's all in your own backyard. Nice. And I think that um, people who are coming to plants, the plant noobs, as we call them on Plant rama uh, they're interested in all those things. They're interested in whether a plant is edible. They're interested in the science behind, you know, the plants mm-hmm. and the growing. They're interested in, you know, how does this make my life more beautiful? So they're interested in all those aspects. And that's what we as garden communicators are all about. We are... Showing people where, you know, what is the science behind this plant or this practice? What is the art uh, of creating a garden? You know,
6: I think another message that the generation now has that we didn't have back in the day was that the planet is in trouble mm-hmm. and the only people who can fix it are us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when I grew up, yeah we were ducking cover yeah we, we, there might be a nuclear explosion any any moment, but we didn't look at the earth as having finite resources now, I think a lot of those kids are learning that they're learning it you uh-huh. you can't just use it i mean uh, recycling is something although i and i the, the, what I will make because I've been involved in recycling in Chicago, which has a terrible recycling record if anybody you know about that uh and, and when I go into a store and I see uh, young people not bringing their own bags uh, and not understanding why that's important, I say, I thought they were learning that. You were talking about how they learned to garden in school. Mm -hmm. Why why haven't they learned about that?
7: Can I I just say something to that? Because I I agree. What I think it is, though, is that we can't tell our children, our very young children particularly, that our planet is in trouble Mm -hmm. until they love the planet. So the whole thing with young people... And young children is to give them positive experiences where they can say, wow, I really felt good about that. Because if you tell them too early, I, we're in trouble and everything's going downhill, right. they'll back off of it. It mm-hmm. won't feel good right. to walk into that arena. Right. So the first thing I think everybody has to do when they're teaching is teach the love first. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then if you love something, you will defend it. You will want to Go ahead and and carry the bags and do the extra. That yeah, has that's to right. Be done. Well,
5: and and we we get back to that 1960s slogan of of think globally, act locally, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can all act locally in our own backyards, right? And we can all aim toward what we want for the planet in our own backyard in terms of the products we use mm-hmm. and the type of plants we cultivate. And the practices that we use, and and that makes people feel powerful that mm-hmm. they can do that at home. Yeah.
0: You know, getting... and that it's not difficult. That's right. That's well, right. And, and
6: then that's you know that's always been the thing. Again, getting back to the recycling thing, and I don't want to get us off track here, but uh if you're going to make a system like that work, it has to be simple, and it has to be. Uh, it has to be easy it, it, and it has to work, uh, and I we haven't figured it out. We don't. Part of our problem is we don't have national standards for that sort of thing. We don't have national standards for compost. We don't, you know, um,
5: or bagged potting soil, or, <laughs> or, yeah, or, or on, and yeah. on and on and on, or yeah. fertilizer.
6: I mean, yeah. it's just uh, we don't regulate it properly. Mm-hmm. And, and I know there are going to be people out there who go, "Oh, regulation! Oh my God, you can't! You're talking about regulation." Well, yeah, it's important. Actually, yeah,
2: it is really important. We have very strong regulation about. Potting potting. potting mix. And, uh, you know, that's for the safety of people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you can be guaranteed that if you go to an independent garden centre and you buy a quality potting mix product, that it's going to be safe for you um, to use and that it's been treated properly and it gives you exactly what it says it's going to do, it's going to do. Um, And that's really, really important that you have that type of regulation not people telling you what to do, but people looking after your safety.
6: Exactly, what, which is why the news headline of the past week with uh, Monsanto uh, getting slapped with a 200-something million-dollar judgment against it because of Roundup and glyphosate is really important. Now, will that judgment stand? I don't know. They're going to appeal. You know, another jury might say, well, that was insane. We're, we're going to take that away. This is the way jurisprudence works in America, but... It is calling attention Mm -hmm. to the fact that the question about glyphosate, regardless of who you are and listening to this, it's not resolved. Don't tell me it's perfectly safe and don't tell me it's perfectly harmful. I don't think we know the answer to that, and that's where science comes in.
5: Mm Yeah,
6: that's right. So we have to figure that out, and this is our job as communicators to say, you know, somebody says, should I use Roundup? And, And I say, well, what's the situation? Yeah. What do you? What do you? Do? You know, perfect. Uh, uh, generally, I say you don't need any of those chemicals in your yard. Generally,
7: bend over and pull them out. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> well, and if you have horsetail, mm-hmm. tail, the Roundup isn't going to do any good anyway. That's
6: right. Oh my gosh, people in the Midwest do not know about horsetail. <laughs> oh, they don't. Yeah. No, no,
7: they do It doesn't
5: here. grow
7: anywhere. Oh, my oh. oh,
6: I had it in my yard out in Quinault, and you, oh, you
7: poor thing. Oh, I know. Yeah.
6: And blackberries, and people don't know what it's like when a blackberry ramble goes right. crazy. Right, they nurture
7: them here. Yeah, <laughs>
6: exactly. Well, listen, I want to thank all of you guys for being here today. Uh, it's just been fabulous, and I'm going to get my cheat sheet, because I'll get it wrong if I don't. CL Fornari, <laughs> uh, if folks want to uh, find you, they go Gar- to GardenLady.com. All right. And uh, Mary Kate Mackey, they go to?
7: MaryKateMackey.com.
6: And Andrea Whiteley. AndreaWhiteley.com. And then track them down at GWA. Down and at Garden Navy. Riders yes.
5: are GardenRiders.org. So oh, thank you for doing website. that, too. All right. right. <laughs> we got it all in. Yay. All along.
6: Rick DeVaille, weather and climate is next. Stick around. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki.
4: Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals?
9: Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good.
3: After a big party is over, the people get to go home, but all the decorations get thrown in the trash. That's why there's random acts of flowers. RAF collects flowers used at weddings, memorial services, and community events, then repurposes them into beautiful bouquets to deliver to people in healthcare facilities. It's a small and simple gesture, but when you see the smiles on people's faces, it's more than worth it. To learn more, call 847-430-4751 or go online at RAFChicago.org. (laughs)
6: <laughs>
0: Randall, Randall does
6: not approve of my air guitar. Okay. Uh, so he must be the enemy. I know my enemy. Randall, yeah. Randall, Randall, Randall. All right. There he is. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And on the line, we have our favorite meteorologist uh, for, for the show, and actually the only one. But, uh, no, I'm, I was going to
1: say that means you probably have more than one if I'm your
6: favorite. <laughs> uh, we have... No, I, so I guess that's it. You are, you are the one, Rick DeMille. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm, I'm the lone wolf there. Uh, I'm still digesting everything cherry, uh, Mike and Peg, because I just got Dore back from a week up in Door County.
6: Ah. You, you, I saw a photo that you had uh, from up there. It looked like it was a great time. What was the weather like up there?
1: You know what? <laughs> this was my, um, what, six or seven time up in Door County, mm-hmm. and for the first time in many years, uh, it rained less than five hours. Wow. Um, or I should say <laughs> it, it, it. rained less than um, one day during the during the entire five days, and it was about a five-hour uh, period of showers and some thunderstorms. But I've had some miserable weather up there uh, in recent years. But it's been incredibly warm and incredibly dry across much of the Midwest, and mm-hmm. Door County, um, uh, no exception. And they had literally. Uh, no spring up there. Remember all the heavy snow up across northern yeah. Wisconsin? Yeah. Uh, they had three feet in the month of April, and Memorial Day weekend, they were in the 90s. So they literally went from winter to summer in a very short period of time. But everything's green. It looks great.
6: Wow. But You know, and it's interesting. When I look at radar for the Midwest, usually trying to figure out if it's going to rain in Chicago and you expand, right. it mm-hmm. always seems like there's always showers going across Wisconsin. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but it sure seems that way.
1: Yeah, I, I think this summer it's it's been that way. There's been, you know, the heat built in early out west. Uh, there was a lot of these, quote, like, you know, northern fringe heat wave durations that moved across Minnesota and northern Wisconsin. So it's probably more or less what happened this year, but there has not been much in the way of, you know, rain or thunderstorms that have been moving um, from Missouri or Illinois northward. In recent years we've had that, but this year uh it's been few and far between. And that's one of the reasons why much of the northern half of Missouri uh and kind of into far western sections of Illinois uh is now under level four drought. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've actually got into level one drought in parts of Southern Will and Kankakee County. Mm-hmm. Um and, and this goes, you know, uh, to show you sometimes that it's really hard to classify a a weather or I should say a climactic season as warm and wet or hot and dry. you, you literally got to look at it in almost you know two parts and clearly the first part of this year was very wet. the spring was abnormally cool uh, and pretty much since the first week of July, it's been very dry and not super high but we've definitely been on the warm side and that goes to show you what happens sometimes when you try to make predictions too far into the future and and, and you keep those predictions to like less than five words you're never going to win on something <laughs>
6: <like> that. <laughs> well I, and i try to warn people you've taught me well over the last 10 years that yeah. uh, making those kinds of predictions is a oh. a fool's errand really
1: yeah it it, it really is and I, and i think i think part of it is you know, people want to see, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, one-sentence description. I hear it's going to be this this summer, and I just <laughs> – I roll my eyes because that's not how weather works. Um, and I think we're, we're pretty lucky uh, through the fact that we had so much rain in May and June that a lot of the perennials are probably doing well. But, man, the the, the public spaces have gotten dry, and we got lucky in parts of Cook County, even though we had, you know, nearly – you know two and a half inches of rain in in one hour, which was you know quote catastrophic flooding in some situations, the ground was able to soak it up uh-huh. uh, the grasses and the lawns got pretty green in a hurry, but you know maybe in areas like closer further north where Peg lives, you got less rain up there, and you're still kind of suffering from the recent dryness,
6: yeah, yeah, you know i'm I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to tell you that. Uh, I was so grateful for the soaking rain on Tuesday. I didn't expect it, yeah. and there it was. Mm-hmm. And I think it made a lot of gardeners happy in this immediate area where they got that rain. Right. Because I, if we didn't have that, we would be in that drought period now for like six weeks, yeah. basically.
1: It's kind of two days Yeah, in a yeah and, from... and that's what happens a lot of times with, with some of these storms that move from the southwest to northeast. You tend to get more of that. That, that flooding type rain, that that heavy type downpour, and that has not been the case. Matter of fact, the stuff that came through on Thursday night came in with what we call as northwest flow. And typically, northwest flow type thunderstorms move a little bit quicker. Uh, they don't what we call train, which which means that they, they basically keep raining over the same area. So the rain that came down on Thursday was a, was a much lighter affair, and mm-hmm. that's pretty much what we're in right now, which is northwest flow. And if you've noticed. The sky has not been particularly blue the last three or four days because we keep getting all the smoke come in from the wildfires from Canada. That's what we have over us today as well.
6: Wow. And we just had uh, one of our guests is from uh, Eugene, Oregon. She was on today and she was saying that they haven't had any rain since May 29th, basically.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I I was looking at, at weather in Spokane, Washington, and since June 1st, They've had 0.06 inches of rain. Now, Eugene, you're not going to get the heat like you get in Spokane, but we had temperatures, actually. They had temperatures between 105 and 110 for the last four or five days uh, in that part of the United States, and that's phenomenal heat even for them. I think Boise, Idaho hit 110, and that only makes the wildfires that you see across portions of the west there you know, not only not only get larger, but again, every year we start to talk about this more and more. Mike and Peg, the wildfire season—it's getting mm. worse. It's getting out of hand. How do you fight it? And clearly, when our president said it has to do with how California uses their water. That doesn't help the situation. No, not at it? all. Not at all. I
6: kind of went off the deep end uh, yeah. when he said that, and uh, you,
1: uh, you wonder. Yeah. You wonder each week how dumber can he get, and and clearly he just keeps raising the bar, I guess, lowering the bar from that standpoint.
6: <laughs> but it is important to to think about how we manage our forests in the age of yeah. climate change uh, and uh, the, these kinds of droughts. There's got to the, be right.
0: the insect infestations that are killing. Right. So many trees That's too, part of, the, of it.
6: Right. The beetles kill the tree, and then you've got these stands of dry lumber, and bam, they go right. up, and everything yeah. goes up. Then. Right. So this is and all, it's, not, and it's
1: And it's not an easy six, it's a long term six. So, right. So right. I, I can hear the bell ring, and it's time for the weather forecast. Yes, right? it
6: is. <laughs> exactly.
1: Okay. Uh, near 90 today. Uh, a lot of hazy sun, probably mid-80s tomorrow, mid-80s on Tuesday, a little bit of rain coming through on Wednesday and Thursday, but by and large, the pattern remains warm and dry for the next six to ten days.
6: Wow. Uh, and can you tell me, uh, are we going to have a white Christmas?
1: <laughs> uh, no, but the hurricane season, as I mentioned last week before, NOAA officially lowered their uh, number. Uh, down about two to three storms for this year. So that's a little bit of relief for the people still recovering from Harvey, Irma, and Marie in the deep southeast.
6: Well, you mentioned uh, the other week, and I know we just have a few seconds, but you mentioned the other week that uh, uh, yeah. the, the the waters in the the Atlantic were a little cooler this year.
1: Right, they were cooler, and sure enough, Noah came out two or three days later. They were listening to your program, and they say, "Let's leave, let's research <laughs> a little, a little bit," and they issued they issued an official uh, document. Uh,
6: it's because you wrote them a letter, I'm sure. All right, all right. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. We'll talk I'm to you.
1: i Conway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
6: I'll talk to you next week. Okay, well, I want to thank, wow, what a great show this was today. CL Fornari, Mary-Kate Mackey, Andrea Whiteley, James Augustus Baggett, Rick DeMaio, Ellie Sanchez, Randall, Randall. Betger. Randall <laughs> I even got it right. Look Woo-hoo. at he's giving me the thumbs up. All right. Uh, And uh, all of you listeners, thanks for being part of the show. Until next time, go green or
3: go home. Uh, Stadler? Yeah, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over.
10: How'd
1: you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.